Welcome to Ultra Modern. This is a lifestyle and creative podcast created by Crosswalk Future Of that examines the ways that God is moving and working in today's world. To learn more about Future Of, follow us on Instagram at futureof.cw. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ultra Modern Podcast. My name is Andy Palomares. Um, this is the second one that we've ever done. Last week, we just had a conversation with uh, Isai and Josh. We had them on here. That episode was called The Third Wave. It was pretty cool. And uh, thank you for listening to this week's second episode. Um, shout out to everybody watching on YouTube. Shout out to everybody who cannot see us because you're listening to us on the podcast app or on Spotify. Um, we have... Yeah, the plug. We have a very special guest with us today. He's coming all the way from Loma Linda, California. Uh, he's he's the community pastor at Anthem right now. It is none other than Tommy Tamalea. What's up, Tommy? What's up, Andy? Thank you for having me. Super yeah, honored to be a part of something cool that you guys are doing at Crosswalk. So thanks. Yeah, dude. I'm glad that you're here, bro. Um, bro, so tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us uh, your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> Just tell us everything. We want, we want it all. Oh, I mean, there's not, there's not too much to share. Um, I, I, I went to Walla Walla University, graduated, lived in Seattle for a little bit, being a pastor out there. Recently moved to SoCal area um, to work at Anthem and the Univers- Loma Linda University Church. And that catches us up. Yeah, nice. Tell us about so, Anthem, bro. What what is Anthem? Oh, I love Anthem. Yeah, yeah. Anthem is a it's a third service added to the university church. Nice. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a contemporary service, and it's 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 a lot of fun. Um. I mean, it's a lot of fun online because mm-hmm. we haven't done anything in person yet. Right, so. Right. Well, you guys had one service. Uh, we so, had one pop yeah. up outside. Yeah, but we haven't had anything like in the building and with the lights. And, right. Yeah. And I. I got a, I mean, on the, your, your live service from last week, you guys had uh, the stage that you guys are actually using when you guys go into in person. And yeah. I was blown away, bro. Like, it looked fantastic. <laughs> like, the LED screen behind you guys. And then you guys have that really, like, there's a specific type of stage that is really cool, like uh-huh. the black glossy one. Those ones are super sick. And you guys have that going on, bro. Yeah, I wish I could take credit. Um, that would either be Josh, who's the lead of Anthem, or dude. Ronson, who's the production. It, well, shout out Josh and shout out Ronson, dude. <laughs> Um, so cool, bro. I want to ask you, cause you just said you went to Walla Walla yeah. and, and then you moved, you, I think you worked in Seattle for a worked bit. Worked in Seattle for a yeah, year. And yeah. And then from there you came over to California. Yeah. Tell us like, what was that moving like? Cause I feel like Walla Walla and Seattle maybe be similar, but then to go from there to SoCal <laughs> might be a big jump in culture. Like what was that shift like for you? Uh, yeah, definitely a shift in culture. But so I've moved, um, most of my life. So the longest I ever lived anywhere growing up was at Walla Walla when I was there for four years. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I never lived anywhere longer than three. Um, so I was always moving as a kid. So I've kind of gotten used to a lot of different cultures. So the mm. shift wasn't too dramatic. Um, but yeah, things are a little different from the PNW to to, to here. here. Yeah, people love hiking in the PNW. But yeah, it's it's a little different. Yeah. Do you like hiking? No, I absolutely hate it. Okay, cool. We're on the we're on the same yeah good same wave. For those of you guys who are listening, we just fist bumped because uh, we're not on that. No, hiking has never been fun for me. It, it's not. One time I went um to to visit some uh, family members out in Arizona. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You used to live in Arizona. Uh oh yeah, you did. You used to mm. live in Arizona. Um, well, I was out there too, and we, we I was with this family, and they said that we were going to go for a hike. And in my mind, because I'm not like a avid yeah, hiker, yeah, yeah. like that's just not part of my lifestyle. I'm like, all right, we're going to go for a walk, <laughs> you know? And in my head, it was like, we're going to go like a mile and yeah. then come back. This turned into like this five mile loop where we're just in yeah. the middle of the desert, like going around. I'm I'm thinking like 
like this cactus looks the same to this cactus and it was just it was just i was not prepared i went in skinny jeans right and and just not walking shoes i'm pretty sure were they wearing boots and stuff yeah everybody's wearing hiking boots (laughs) and you know the the one thing is everyone's like oh the views you get to see great views but when you're hiking you're actually looking at your feet so you don't trip on rocks exactly so you don't actually see the views or or nature you're just staring at your feet you're out of yeah, it's, it's not one fun. step right in front of the other, so you no, don't you don't fun. fall. It's not. Rather, yeah. I I did when I was younger. I kind of liked. We're not. I don't. This is not even a hiking podcast, but we're going to talk about hiking for a little <laughs> bit. Well, I, I hiked the Grand Canyon, which was a lot of fun. Okay, that'd um, be kind of cool. Yeah, it was cool because I was like eight or or yeah. ten or something, and, and you're at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, with all my cousins, like we all went, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Then I went a couple years later, like uh, like a little older. I was probably like fifteen or sixteen, okay. and I was like, it is so dirty. <laughs> It's hot. Like this water tastes funny, and I'm just not the camping hiker guy. No, like, that's not my thing. So I, I'm 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 either a city guy or a suburbs guy. Like that's totally. Um, city. I like the city. The city guy. Well, that's yeah. cool, bro. Well, I'm glad to have you on here. Thank you. Uh, so today, what we wanted to talk about um, is post-election feels, essentially. Yeah. Um, the last week when we recorded our podcast. Uh, it was recorded before we knew who the president was going to be. Um, mm. So actually, that we recorded the podcast on a Friday. Um, and then Saturday is when vi- um, pres- president-elect Joe Biden was announced and vice president-elect Kamala Harris was announced. Yeah. And, and our podcast that we had last week was kind of on how to conversate and how to interact with people who mm. have differing views from you. Um, and what we wanted to make a point of is that that we can't say one side is right and the other side is wrong. But instead, what we wanted to talk about was how you can have healthy conversations and disagree with people um, and still be who you are, essentially. And one of the things that we talked about was that in Scripture, um, Jesus was consistently breaking binary thinking, where one group would think this is the only way and the other group would think this is the only way. And then Jesus appeared and, and consistently he... He provided a third way. And mm. I think we ended up saying the third wave because there's a third wave of people that are moving and there's a new way to do life um, in, under Jesus that breaks this binary in life. And, That's you know, awesome. Now we're here uh, a week later and uh, we know who is our president and vice president-elect. And what I've been kind of thinking is that for a lot of people, this is a very big moment of relief for, for some people. And then for other people, this is a moment of of defeat, and yeah. and I, I can I can tell you that our community falls um, across the spectrum. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about today is how we can find rest in the midst of this. For for some people, this is a moment of anxiety uh, mm. because their president lost and will not be returning. For other people, this is a moment of relief. Um, but also we're moving into 2021 and the reality is a lot of the things that are happening now are going to carry over into 2021. Yeah. Um, and what I kind of wanted to do is talk about the Sabbath. How does the Sabbath affect our lives in moments like this? How does the Sabbath um, bring peace or bring rest in a moment like this? And uh, I think one of the things that I want to do first is just ask you, like, what has your experience been with the Sabbath growing up mm. in the Adventist church? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably had the experience of yeah. other people of like, everything is turned off on the Sabbath. This is what the Sabbath is. And, <laughs> you know, so just talk to us about the Sabbath, bro. Yeah, the Sabbath. Definitely. Uh, 
so I, I grew up in an Adventist home. Um, I'm, like I'm sure many, many people, well, yeah, many people have <laughs> that are Adventist. <laughs> yeah. um, There's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in an Adventist home. So I think it was, I think uh, growing up, it was definitely like middle of the road. Uh, you didn't, we didn't watch TV on Sabbath. We, you know, you rested on Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, but we were allowed to like play outside and play with friends. Nice. I was allowed to do that, um, like basketball and stuff. That was okay on Sabbath. We could swim on Sabbath. Um, but like I said, no TV, electronics were kind of turned off. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else um, we, we didn't do. Oh, games. Like, you know, you couldn't play Monopoly, so we right. played like Life of Paul or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Egypt of Canaan, something crazy like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was Sabbath in terms of what you could and couldn't do. Then I moved to boarding school, um, which was a lot more restrictive. Like mm. you couldn't bounce a ball on Sabbath or, we had, Jeez. yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a lot more restrictive um, in terms of how we we did Sabbath there. And but in so that's you know what we could and couldn't do. But then there's the idea of like how did it feel? It was it was very family oriented for Sabbath for mm. us. Um, you know, kind of spending time with family. Or, or friends, because we lived in a neighborhood where we had, we had friends. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of Sabbath growing up. It wasn't... I never had anything traumatic like some people. Um, mm-hmm. But then there definitely was a moment coming up later in, in life where I, my perspective of Sabbath changed. But that, that was kind of um, college age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that... Uh, well, leading into... I want to hear more about that perspective change. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, what would you say is your overall... Um, experience with the Sabbath, and the reason I ask this yeah. is because, and you kind of touched on touched on this lightly, some people's experience with um, Adventism and the Sabbath has been negative. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's bec- in for some people, and including myself, actually, the Sabbath was more of this day of um, legalistic behavior mm-hmm. as opposed to finding true rest in Jesus or in in, in communion with God. And um, I want to, like, what was your experience with that? Was it a positive experience? Was it somewhere in the middle? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to be, like, realistic. And I didn't have a, a bad experience like a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to say I did because I don't want to diminish how bad their experience was. And I don't want to, like, you know, piggyback off. Like, oh, yeah, my life was terrible. Yeah. I wasn't. I, I had good experiences. But I wouldn't say, like, I loved Sabbath. Like, it was kind of a bummer that I couldn't do things I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. that that part sucked. Um, so I'd definitely say middle of the road. It felt restrictive um, yeah. in, in a sense. But, you know, I think the Sabbath, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, I'm sure, but the Sabbath is, I think Adventism as a whole has really missed the mark on the Sabbath. Because mm. um, I think the Sabbath, you know, if we, were look, if, I, if we were to dive into it, you know, theologically and biblically, what are the repercussions of it? Um, I think it's probably one of the most gospel-oriented and most beautiful aspects of Scripture. Mm. You'll find it on almost every single page. And I think Adventism has distorted it in a very sad way. Wow. Um, But we can dive into that more. I want to hear your perspective of Sabbath first. Sure. We'll hear my perspective. (laughs) But then as soon as that's done, I want to hear what you have to say about that. that. Got some hot takes on here, bro. But um, yeah, so my experience with the Sabbath, I I think mine was similar to yours where it was – uh, very family-oriented days where we would hang out uh, after church. We'd go to like one of my cousins' house, uh-huh. and uh, but the thing is, I mean, all my cousins love playing video games. Like video games was was one of the things we loved. Yeah. But there was no video game playing until like nighttime. Uh, so like during the day, we'd we'd <laughs> go out and you know my my grandparents had a house out in Lake Matthews, which is is outside of Riverside basically. Okay. And um, 
they just had tons of property and we would just go out there and just I don't know, chase each other on the, on, in the dirt. And uh, we would find lizards and find snakes, and which was so sketchy because we were like eight or nine years old. Like, trying you like to find, snakes? I hate snakes. Oh, okay. But, but then? But then as a kid, I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. you, like we would stuff. hear the rattle, uh, like from the rattlesnake, <laughs> and we would go and try to find the snake. And sometimes we'd find it, sometimes we wouldn't. And it, it, was, it was a fun time. But I think as I grew older, um, especially I, I jumped – churches and sometimes when you hop churches you actually find different views of the sabbath so i would sometimes go to the the spanish church where it was like if you do anything on the sabbath that that like watch tv play video games if you listen to secular music on the sabbath it is like game over like you have angered god essentially you've broken the the covenantal exactly yeah exactly and then i in other churches i've been to um uh I was part of this youth group one time that decided to begin playing uh, secular music on the Sabbath, like during the worship service, which was huge. <laughs> it mind blowing at the time. That's a big it, shift. It was huge shift, you know. <laughs> and I, I had this like pretty across the board or big spectrum uh, experience mm-hmm. with the Sabbath. But I, the the taste in my mouth that was left was kind of like, if I do something wrong on the Sabbath, then God is angry with me. And I, for me. I, I think think my view of the Sabbath was a little distorted because I would focus more on what I could and couldn't do as opposed to actually finding rest in Jesus or finding rest with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think now today, maybe some people have been scarred in that sense from the church, from this maybe legalistic mindset, yeah. and and now have left the church and, and are now wanting to return and I think right now, through Ultramodern, um, I want to provide a space for them to find rest, to find real meaning in the Sabbath, as opposed to what, maybe like yeah. what they had experienced in the past, you know? But dude, totally. tell us, tell us about your your shift, bro, and, and <laughs> your thinking about the Sabbath. Okay, well, yeah, in, interrupt at any point if it's getting boring, because I, I feel like theology can be kind of boring dude, sometimes. Theology is fun, everybody. Theology is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is, but it's... <laughs> I mean, I think it is, but I'm sure no, many people fun. will be like, yeah, it's Just not. so you know, Darren looked at me right now. With like, Darren's our producer. He's over here. Darren just like looked at me and was like, <laughs> like rolled his eyes when I said theology is fun. Anyways. It's, yeah, it's okay, Darren. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, well, I think we have to approach it like, how has Adventism traditionally approached Sabbath? And I think, um, okay, maybe I should be careful is because I'm not really sure what's on the fundamental beliefs. I don't know those, like... You know, by heart. Yeah, but, yeah that's fine. Um, no one does. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Sabbath as it's presented through mainstream Adventism, right, is that there is a day that God has set aside in the Ten Commandments um, that is the day we should observe to rest. Mm-hmm. And if we choose a different day to hold that rest, um, then we're going against what God has asked us. Mm. And then through prophetic voice or through sermons that we've had, we've also turned it into... Um, when it comes towards the end of ages and the end of Revelation, God's about to come back. There's going to be this moment where a Sabbath is the mark of His people, and um, if you don't keep the Sabbath or you mm-hmm. choose a different day, then you are not a part of God's remnant group. Um, and that and that's how we present Sabbath. Now, right. whether that's the official Adventist belief, I don't actually know, but that's that's the mainstream that, Adventist. That's how it was presented to you, I'm guessing. Yeah, but I don't think that. it's just me. I think it's yeah. oh, Adventism yeah, think, as a whole. Yeah, that's how I experienced it too. <clears throat> Definitely as like a marker. and yeah, yeah, we talk about, you know, there's the mark of the beast and then God has a mark of his people and mm-hmm. it's, do they keep the Sabbath? Yeah. And so with that being presented, there's there's a lot of problems that come with it because one, it's 
it's a binary, as you guys talked about last week. It's us versus them, and it's not this collective idea that Scripture presents itself. It's it's me and then everyone else, and exactly. are you with me or are you in against group, me? Out group, yeah, yeah, which is the kind of the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus yeah. was so much more inclusive. But more than that, you we miss what the Sabbath is actually talking about. Right. And so when I look at it um, from the, the Ten Commandments, we often talk about the Sabbath is unchanging, the Ten Commandments can never change, right? We, mm-hmm. we talk about that. But if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that it shows up twice in the Bible, once in Exodus, and then there's a retelling of the story in Deuteronomy. Mm. And so the story of the Ten Commandments uh, in Exodus, you'll see that when they were given the Ten Commandments, um, it was listed why you should keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, blah, 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 blah. And the reason they're told to keep the Sabbath in Exodus is because for you were once slaves and now you are not slaves. Mm. But if you look at the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, it changes the language. And it actually doesn't say um, that they should keep the Sabbath because of, of um, they, they were slaves. It says because they were, uh, it's a remembrance of creation. Mm. And okay. so there's a shift in when Moses retells the Ten Commandments on how and why they should keep the Sabbath. Right. So what, what changes is that's important for us is that to know that it wasn't set in stone, that it was able to change and breathe right. according to the culture and according wow. to the time. Yeah, yeah. And so what was true in Exodus was no longer true in Deuteronomy. Right. And so probably what's true in the Old Testament has shifted and changed. Principles stay the same, but how it's applied and why right. it's applied yeah. changes for us today. That's incredible, bro. Yeah. Dude, and I, what what I like... That just is opening the door to a new realm of thinking, right? Because we're, yeah, we're now should. sitting in 2020 and in the midst of COVID, um, racial tension, mm-hmm. an election year, you know, all of this. Uh, Sabbath probably not only can't um, remain what it has been, but it shouldn't remain what it has been. Like, yeah, th- no. like it has to be something that is breathing something new. and. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that shift, and, and I love that what you pointed out. I've never, I've never saw it that way. In Exodus, it's once you were slaves, now you are free. Then now in Deuteronomy, it's a, a remembrance of creation, mm-hmm. and it's this changing of the idea. What would you say right now is is a necessary shift for the Sabbath from what it was maybe in our upbringing right. or, or maybe in the history of Adventism, and now what it can be today. So I'm going to speak off the cuff. I'm maybe like Tim Mackey or John Mark Comer. They, you know, have written beautiful works on the Sabbath. Might disagree, but if you if we look at the Sabbath um, in Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's and it reflects. I think it relates to today. So um, I'll, I'll I'll join them in a second. Yeah. If you look at the the Sabbath in the Exodus in in, in Exodus, uh, it talks about. It names like you shouldn't do any work, your wife shouldn't do any work, your kids shouldn't do any work, your slaves shouldn't do any work, your oxen shouldn't do any work. And it lists all of these things that shouldn't do any work on the right. Sabbath. But what's really interesting is the fact that it names those people. Mm. So right away, what do we see that the Sabbath? The Sabbath automatically elevates children. It automatically elevates women to the same status as the man. Wow. So the first thing that you see that the Sabbath does, it creates an equal opportunity for everybody. I see. But what's more important is that it names your slaves. Mm. So think of, think practically for a second. If you had slaves, right? We're back in Bible times. You had slaves, and you're told by God Himself that you have to treat your your slaves have to have the same amount of rest that you get as mm-hmm. someone who owns them, 
And that means you're supposed to, they're supposed to join in this, this idea of communion with God and communion with each other. Right. So if your slaves get that same access that you do to God, it would be really difficult, at least I think, it would be really difficult to treat your slaves poorly right. through the rest of the week. And then right. somehow when we get to Sabbath, you treating them as equals. Mm. So what does the Sabbath automatically do? The Sabbath automatically reframes your thinking of, I have to treat the people who are lesser than in society as if they're equal Wow. on Sabbath. So that's going to translate how I treat them the whole week. The whole week, yeah. So 2020, we have so much racial tension because mm-hmm. there's been a group that's been uh, completely disbarred and has um, you know, marginalized their mm-hmm. entire, the entire existence. The Sabbath speaks to that in saying, all people are created equal, and you actually have to give equal opportunity to all people. Right. And so it it should change, if we're observing the Sabbath correctly, it should change how we interact with culture yeah. through the rest of our lives. That's incredible, bro. Uh, and, and the first thing that I think about is if, if we're going to take something like that and actually believe it and apply it to our life, that Sabbath as this this incentive to reach all people, to mm-hmm. create equal opportunities, to create equity, um, then when it comes to social issues, the church should be at probably the forefront of oh, these things totally. as opposed to the last in line. And I think that was that was something growing up, It was, I never saw church in politics it, as yeah. much as until now. And that might've just been my perspective. I also didn't care about anything growing up. Like I was just so disconnected <laughs> from what was going on in the world. Um, but, but something that I've seen distinctly happen this year is churches and church leaders begin to speak out and speak up for um, things like Black Lives Matter, for mm-hmm. people that have experienced racial injustice. And, you know, when I, when now we're talking about the Sabbath, mm-hmm. it kind of ceases just to be a day. Sabbath seems yeah. to become this lifestyle. So like if you're going to claim Sabbath as your day of rest and this lifestyle that comes with Sabbath, then it actually means that the way that you live your life, the, pe- the way you treat people, the way that you go about living your life actually is different. That you choose yeah. to create equity for people. You choose to stand up for the people that are hurting, which, which is interesting because I, I saw a lot of um, churches speak up during, uh, let's say, like at the start of Black Lives Matter this year. Who was that? Mar- June, I think it was March? May, or, May or June, yeah. May, May, May is yeah. better, yeah. And, and I saw, also saw a lot of leaders in our church, not our specific church, our denomination, church, yeah. the greater church, um, I saw a lot of leaders stay silent. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing. And I saw this big shift where uh, for a long time, what I would preach from the pulpit and, 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 and what I would speak on was a lot of messages on how to align people's personal theologies, how to yeah. keep people connected to God personally. And, you know, I would, I, I mean, that was the thing. I love that. I would look at a bunch of big name pastors and and, you know, they would have these awesome messages on grace, and all they would talk about is grace, and which is an amazing message. That At the end of the day, that is what Jesus spoke, right. it's grace. Um, but I, was, I, I found myself being so good at, like, getting people to a point where they can accept Jesus in their life for themselves that when Black Lives Matter began this year, and it's been a movement for a long time, right. but the, the heat of it this year, I, 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 was, I was stopped in my tracks, bro, because I realized it would be it would be uh, insensitive. I wouldn't be reading the room right if I were in the heat of that to give a message on how you can align your own personal <laughs> theology with Jesus, yeah. you know? And what I've found is that 
in the church actually has to be one of those moving forces to bring everybody together. Like this is for everyone. Yeah. And you know, I, I think speaking of Sabbath, the Sabbath should be the incentive for our church, the greater church, to continue pushing out and making moves for people. Yeah. And maybe you can tell us a little bit because I know you were in Seattle. Yeah. Um until what, June, July? August, yeah. August? Okay. And and you were there for a lot I of I saw it uh, all. Tell us about it. And and maybe you can even I mean, you don't have to tell us everything because I'm sure you, you told me one time that you saw something pretty crazy. You can tell us about that if you want. But yeah, I'm trying to. But think. also, like, how, how, because you're in the thick of that. I, I was at a protest uh-huh. and it was a beautiful experience to see people standing up and trying to raise their voice. Um, it brought me to tears. I saw people crying and it, it was a place where I really felt that God was moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us about your experience, bro, and maybe how that, maybe you could relate that to the Sabbath and how the Sabbath maybe is an incentive to speak up. Yeah. Um, I think you nailed it down well that the Sabbath as a day, we miss so much if we don't make it bigger than a day. Mm-hmm. Because in the Bible, it is bigger than a day. Yeah. You see right at the, the commandment, you have to treat your slaves the same. So that changes, okay, then throughout the week, I have to treat them well. Mm-hmm. So that changes like, okay, throughout the rest of life, I have to treat them well. Yeah. And it's also, you know, the idea of seven. It's represented, you know, the seven gets bigger. And so we hear the year of Jubilee. So it just becomes this bigger thing. It was never about a day. It was mm-hmm. always about a lifestyle. Right. And so that should be the mark of God's people. It's the lifestyle. Yeah. Now, in Seattle, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I went down to like a few of the first protests um, because this is, this is something, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, I was there and... I'll be honest, there were some of the protests that I've been to that were just beautiful. But this one, it was beautiful in that so many people cared, but it was also so hurtful because people were angry. Mm. And rightfully so, they should be angry. Yeah. And so what was what was saddened is that there's there were so many people that I was with. I mean, there was there was tons of people there and they were angry and it felt like their voices weren't being heard. Right. And so in that sense, it was beautiful that we all came together and we said, we're going to try to speak to this issue. But it was, it was hurtful that no one was listening. Mm. I, don't get me wrong. A few laws got passed. And you know I follow a few pages still on Instagram and uh, talk to some of them and things that didn't get passed. But yeah, I saw there. I mean, I was there and I was tear gassed and you know the, the, whole, the whole thing that you see. Um, tear gassed and uh, the pepper sprayed in the face. I watched people like burn cars. I saw oh, people geez, spray paint buildings, man. break windows. You know, guns were getting pulled out. Like yeah. you know, I saw it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, all of that anger. You know, some people can say like, man, it's, you know, it's wrong that you're destroying buildings and people's businesses. But that that sort of anger and and um, the need to be heard, that is that is a result of not being heard. And so right. what do you, what do you expect mm. when so many people have been marginalized and if we're going to relate it back to the Sabbath, haven't been keeping the Sabbath, not right. as a day, but as a lifestyle. Right, yeah. What, what do you expect? Exactly. So you're, you're talking about how you, you were in some pretty intense situations there in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, it was across the country too, a lot of um, rioting, a lot of anger. And one of the people that I spoke to um, in the heat of Black Lives Matter and all that, uh, in those couple months, I got... A lot of I, I I mean I was on Instagram and I was saying certain things and people yeah. other people were saying things and um, at some points it was very unhealthy to be on social media because social media became like a very woke and I'm just gonna talk over all you or nothing and, yeah all or yeah. nothing um, but there were some brief moments where I found really good conversation and I had this conversation with this one person that that was just very um, very 
sure that Jesus would not be marching and that Jesus wasn't present in times like that. Interesting. I thought it was very interesting. I disagreed with the person. Um, and I disagreed because of this song. I don't know if you've heard of Prince of Peace by Hillsong United. Yeah. And the chorus of it actually goes something like, uh, when, oh man, when night screams terror, you'll hear my cry. Mm-hmm. When uh, something along those lines. And what I immediately thought of was uh, a couple months or a couple years ago. Do you remember the attack that happened in Paris? There was a yeah. When that when that happened, um, the writers of the song, like Joel Houston and and them, posted about it. And one of the things that they did was post the lyrics of the mm-hmm. song, kind of explaining that even in the darkest of moments in human history or in the in the moments where people feel the most hurt, that is where God is actually moving the most. Mm-hmm. And that's where God is the most present. And, you know, I, I understood what he was saying, this person that was saying that Jesus wouldn't be there. But what I'm very firm in believing is that Jesus is in those moments. Jesus, not only where hurt is being experienced and maybe maybe sometimes terror is being experienced, but Jesus exists with the marginalized, with mm-hmm. the people that are hurting. And... I think when we look at Jesus, we're seeing the epitome of a Sabbath lifestyle. And consistently, over and over, Jesus breaks the box that mm-hmm. that that the Jewish people had put God in. And you look at it into the culture, Samaritan people, you don't you don't interact with them, you don't talk to right. them. Jesus breaks the box, gives us the the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, people who have leprosy are absolutely unclean and this is a culture where if you touch certain things or you eat certain things or you talk to certain people you are now unclean you have to Mm. go through a ritual to become cleansed again jesus steps out and begins to heal people Mm. with leprosy stand in those in spaces and and i even think about the woman caught in adultery which is such an interesting story because for there to be a woman caught in adultery means that there was a man caught in adultery as well yeah and scripture never talks about that we don't know the man we don't know the man <laughs> but we do know the woman and we do know that she was going to be stoned to death and jesus enters a situation like that and again breaks the box and and be, and, and advocates on her behalf and saves her and, you know, we think now back to 2020 and everything that we've experienced, a Sabbath lifestyle always has to lead us to other people. Yeah, a it's Sabbath, communal by nature. Exactly. It, it is It is a, a community forming. It is a, something that um, unifies us and brings us together. And I think in, in talks of where we can go from here, I think we have to make it a point to have um, Sabbath at the forefront, this lifestyle of of bringing unity, which is very much different from what I had growing up. Like when I was growing up, it wasn't this um, unifying thing per se. I mean, besides my family, it was more uh, you sit there and you feel connected to God, Mm -hmm. which is important. Like our personal theology is so important. Um, Our personal connection to God is so important. But now in the midst of everything that we've experienced, what I'm recognizing is Sabbath can't not just be cannot just be that. Sabbath has to be this communal experience. Yeah. Um yeah. by nature. And I, um I want to speak to that point of of Jesus wouldn't be marching. Jesus wasn't going to be there. And this may not be our total focus, but what's interesting is that when you look at the temple in Jerusalem, right? Fast forward to Jesus's day, so AD 30 something. Mm-hmm. 
we're, we're there, we're looking at the temple, and we see that there's this disparity that's happening inside the temple. And what you have is the outer courts got turned into um, uh, the spot where you can buy sheep, where you could transfer your money um, to the temple uh, currency, and then you could buy mm. sheep and be able to sacrifice them. Now, that's permitted to be done inside of... Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the book. The, the laws that um, the Jewish rabbis created to protect the Torah. I'm mm. forgetting the name of the book. But that, that was permitted to be done as long as it was in the outer courts. That was allowed to be done. So that, that wasn't um, the anger that was, that was there. But Jesus shows up and he sees what's happening. But what's interesting is the Gentiles, so non-Jewish people, mm. were only allowed to be inside of the, the outer courts. That was the only place they could go in. So if they were God-fearers, like the Bible calls them, or people who respected Jewish laws and came to you know, sacrifice and all that, they couldn't go on the inside. That was reserved only for Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So what we see with Jesus, then he shows up and he gets really, really upset. And he calls it a den of thieves. Mm-hmm. And so when I was reading and studying it, I believe that Jesus was upset because they turned the only place that Gentiles could come to worship God, the most wow. holy place, they turned that into a marketplace and wow. robbed them of a sacred experience. Mm. And so we see Jesus gets angry at this obvious racial disparity that's happening, mm-hmm. so racism. We see that he gets angry, and what does Jesus do? He chases out animals. He destroys a few businesses. He mm-hmm. flips over the tables. Yeah. Jesus naturally riots mm-hmm. for the sake of racism. Wow. Yeah. So I got a lot of pushback whenever I say this, and you probably cut it off if you need to, but I see Jesus on the side of, and this is kind of the whole idea of Sabbath. Jesus mm. is on the side of those in pain. Right. And I think pain naturally leads to destruction. And mm. so that is a natural result of pain. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about, um, first of all, thanks for saying that. And, and this is a safe space to, to say stuff like that. And uh, it is a hot take, but it's also something that, like, we don't need uh, cookie cutter answers right now. We need people to be pretty yeah. radical and, and oh, that's out good, there yeah. about their, their faith, you know what I'm saying? So I appreciate you saying that. And, um, one of the things that I think about is uh, the girl that Jesus um, uh, heals. She has a, uh, was it a girl or boy? She she has mm-hmm. a demon and then she keeps throwing herself in the fire. Um you're testing my Bible knowledge. I know. I'm forgetting. Uh, to the child. Hey, th- th- that story exists. Yeah. I think it might be a girl, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to say the child for now. Sorry for anybody who yeah, yeah, is child. judging child. these two pastors. <laughs> uh, well, the child is is possessed with the demon, and uh, the child continues to throw um, itself into the fire and, and cause self-harm. And Jesus approaches this child and heals the child, and as a result, the child is able to function and live a, a normal life um, free from self-harm. Okay. And this is off the cuff, you know. But I, I wonder how how many of our people in our nation have been plagued with certain um, hurts or certain mm. things or certain systems that have hurt them. And what Jesus is actively trying to do is change those systems so that the people can wow. can thrive and continue to live a life that is blessed, that is good, that is that is um, something that is going to bring them up, you know? And, uh, oh, man, what was I going to say? Dang it. No, you're, you're right. We're talking about changing the system. Yeah. And that's the Sabbath idea. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's the Sabbath idea, yeah, yeah, that Jesus shows up. And even it's, it, what's in Exodus, it's in Deuteronomy. Like the idea of Sabbath showing up, mm-hmm. and it automatically changes the way we live. And it's bigger than a day. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. 
And so I think um, anyone who's felt like, man, the this idea of Sabbath, it's been a, a oppressive in the nature of like, I can't do this, I can't do that. That was never the intent of the Sabbath. The mm-hmm. Sabbath was the idea of rest right. and equal opportunity, equal access to the table. That's what the Sabbath was about then. And I think that's the most predominant aspect that we could add to our lives now. And I'm sure in Western America, we could talk about, uh, we, you know, the idea of taking a break, taking, of, of doing something other than work. I think that's important. Yeah. And that is part of the Sabbath um, yeah. ideal. Well, let's go that direct. Well, let me conclude that portion of the yeah, Sabbath ahead. needs to be something that brings us together. Like all people, doesn't matter economic status or beliefs or anything. Sabbath is this unifying thing. Hmm. Um, and right now, I think maybe would be nice is to lean into that personal aspect now of how yeah. the Sabbath ex- is um, affects us today. Because what you're saying is so right that there is a personal aspect to the Sabbath, finding unity with God that is very beautiful. Um, and in my experience, that was that took the back seat to mm-hmm. a lot of things. That instead of focusing on the unification aspect of me and Jesus being. Um, in communion in, 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 in relationship and said it was like, don't do this, don't do that. God is mad at you if you do that. And, you know, right now I want to, I want to talk about maybe the nuances of Sabbath that <laughs> yeah. are happening. Um, because like we, we kind of started with this question and we didn't really totally answer it, but the idea that, uh, they're probably, well, not to limit two sides, but there are people that are excited about next year and there are people that are, are now angry how can and Sabbath, all the in between exactly and everything in between? Um, maybe not teach people what to think, but maybe how how can we give the Sabbath to them as this beautiful tool so that they can uh, find peace in their own life regarding whatever they believe or whatever side of the spectrum? So, what? Mm. How would you how would you use the tool uh, Sabbath as a tool for somebody? How how would you show them how to use it so that they could find that peace with Jesus during a time like this? Yeah, that's. I'm sure you have a better answer than I would. Um, but I do not. <laughs> well, I, I have found blessings in the idea of I will take a set amount of time, and I will make sure to rest on that. Mm. And but rest looks different for everybody, so it can't be like oh, just go take a nap. That's not restful for some people. Some people want to go hike. Some people want to sit down and watch a movie. Some right. people want to, you know, kick it with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saturdays are for the boys. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's even <laughs> in modern culture. You know, there it is. Yeah, it's there. So that idea of taking time and it being a weekly thing is something that I've adopted in my life. One, I was raised with it, but two, it's become meaningful to like, no, no, no. Today I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kick it. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that there's like a bunch of church going on at the same time, and I like worshiping, so I'm going to use that time and space to connect yeah. with people and connect with God. I think that's beneficial. Um, yeah. I, sorry. Uh, no, yeah, I, just, I was going to say, um, I think you, you're super right on connecting. Like you, you said, Saturdays are for the boys, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But I, I think that culture has this idea of Sabbath built into it, but they has, culture just hasn't labeled it as Sabbath. Yeah. So what I mean is... Um, if if you read like any self help book right now, or mm-hmm. if you read any anything along those lines, chances are there's going to be a chapter on the power of no, and not exactly, taking yeah. on what you cannot handle, um, which which was a very hard thing for me to do in my life to say no to something, um, and the idea behind saying no is that there is a limit to what you can handle sometimes, and and. Oftentimes what we do is we overload ourselves with things that 
not not necessarily that we don't want to do, but mm-hmm. that maybe we don't have the capacity to do at that moment. And it leads to really big burnout or it leads yeah. to moments where we're feeling low, low. And really the Sabbath is that. Sabbath is the biggest no, but in a good sense, not like <laughs> it, it's like a good no. It, so we started this off with, oh, our whole lives now Sabbath has been no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that. And then Andy just said, Sabbath is the biggest no. Sabbath is the biggest no. And a good, but a good no. Yeah. <laughs> Sabbath is your opportunity to take uh, a break from what you're doing. Yeah. Like Sabbath is the the most healthy way. And we're not talking about Sabbath as a lifestyle. We're talking about Sabbath, well, even lifestyle. Lifestyle but or day. We're talking about there is a day yeah. that you can take a break. Exactly. Where you can turn everything off and just, and that's the hardest thing for me. And I don't, tell me if you relate to this. If, if not, it's okay. But for me, it is a hard time for me to step away from work sometimes mm. um, and to stop building what I, what I enjoy building. It sometimes is very hard for me to, and Netflix is a healing thing. Thank you for Netflix. God, yeah. Like Netflix is amazing. At times, Netflix is one of the most addicting things I ha- like. Yeah, there are, are some people that should be their no. Yeah, that should be your no. <laughs> Sometimes that's me. <laughs> that, a lot of the times that's me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but Sabbath is this opportunity for you to say no to the things that are, are taking from you and say yes to the things that are feeding you. Mm-hmm. And maybe, if you can you share some wisdom on what that nuance looks like? So what... Because in one growing up, it was a no to anything secular. It was a right. no to anything you watch. What does a yes look like in this nuanced, nuanced view of of Sabbath? Sabbath. That's it's funny. Um, I remember one of my brothers had watched a movie on Sabbath. Mm. I know. Mareko? Was that Mareko? Yeah, it was actually. Mareko, bro. I'm just kidding. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Love you, bro. Um, yeah, I'm airing out his laundry. Oh, well, we'll get over it. My, He had watched a movie on Sabbath, and my mom had found out he had watched a movie on Sabbath. And then I think maybe the next morning he woke up to a text, and it was like this Bible verse on, if you break the Sabbath, God's holy day, um, like... The punishment, oh, no. you shall be put to death. Oh, I was like, no. oh my God. I was like, mom, what in the world? <laughs> he has uh, to learn. <laughs> I know, yeah. So it's it's hard for me to answer because I'm, you know, if my mom's watching this, but sometimes you need to say yes to a movie. Yeah. And I don't know where we got this idea that how some t- we, we've created a, a separation between the secular and the sanctified or the mm. secular and the, the holy, the holy. Yeah. Because you find that Jesus never created that dichotomy. Mm. So I don't know where that came. Probably it was Augustine who said, like, this is this and this is evil. But that, that, that was really never um, Jesus' thing. Yeah. And so for us, I don't, I don't... The creativity I find in Hillsong or creativity I find in Crosswalk Worship is the same creativity I find in Lanny or the same creativity mm. that I find in um, O Wonder or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they are no less sacred and they're no less secular. They yeah. are the same. Dude, you're so right. And so I don't. No, no. I'm just saying I don't create a, a distinction. So if you need to say yes to a movie, you need to say yes to a, um, you know, getting your nails done or getting a pedicure or exactly. war zone with the boys, whatever it is, you need to say yes to that because that is a mental break. And there, mm-hmm. I do not create that distinction between the sacred and and the secular. Yeah. No, that is great. And you brought up so many things in my mind. Uh, different personalities rest differently. So, for mm-hmm. example. I am an Enneagram. introvert. Oh. oh, Enneagram 9. I thought you were going to throw out the, yeah. the numbers. <laughs> no, we could, throw, we could do Enneagram too. I'm an Enneagram 9. I enjoy 
my alone time. Uh-huh. I enjoy being by myself. And one of the things that actually takes a lot out of me is being in big social settings, which COVID, interestingly enough, has done wonders for me <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I can be alone more often. Um, but, you know, in, in the way that I rest is going to be different than the way someone else rests. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I rest really requires me to be alone and away from people. And another thing that, that I, I'm realizing is that different personalities need specifically different types of rest. So for yeah. some people, it is like I need to disconnect from everything because I am, I am literally, it just takes and takes from me. And for those people, maybe turning all electronics off on the Sabbath is positive. For other people, I I am literally doing paperwork all day. I am doing <laughs> schoolwork all day. Right. And I never have time responsibly to to watch Netflix or to play Warzone, you know? For those people, Sabbath is an opportunity for them to 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 get in touch with that that part of themselves, mm-hmm. to find rest in that, you know? Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit what what is your rest style? Because uh, well, the people want to know. I don't think anyone actually wants to, but I am a, a large extrovert, like mm. very, very extroverted. Um, and as a pastor, and not so much now, but definitely when I was in Seattle, I did a lot of speaking at church. Right. And so I was always, you know, locked away in my office, got to set aside five hours today and just write and mm. get all of the that creative process. And that was so draining. I loved it because I love speaking, but... Yeah, I don't know what it is. You get a microphone in front of me, I'm happy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like people having That's to listen thing, to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I loved it, but it was draining. Right. And so what I found, like, oh, this being locked away and trying to do this creative process. So journaling, ah, I can't do that stuff. It's just it's too much. It's too draining. Mm-hmm. So what I find is a release is actually last week, um, Saturday evening, I went over to a friend's house in L.A. Um, and there were a few people there, and it was like this, like, oh man, that was really nice. Like, yeah. I feel I feel good. Like I, I I remember getting up for work in the morning on Monday, and I was like, oh man, I had a really good, good restful good weekend. weekend. Yeah, I spent it with friends. We were laughing. I love laughing. That's my favorite yeah. thing. Dude, what a oh, rare moment to like Monday morning. You're like, that was a good weekend. Because oftentimes yeah. I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's another week, <laughs> dude, dude. That, Especially if you're a pastor and you're an introvert, church can be a l- very draining. Oh yeah, dude. I as the pastor that is an introvert, pastor, pastor. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I love being with people. I cannot do it longer than a couple hours. Like, it, it, it drains <laughs> me, man. And you guys have multiple services here, so that's got to be really tough. Well, it's tough pre-COVID. Right now, it's kind of right, like the sweet true. spot because... But then again, I, I hang out every week. Like, every Tuesday night, we have our, our future of gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Friday night, we have a Vespers. And then now we're stepping into every Saturday night, we have an event for our high schoolers. Um, so it, it's just consistent. Like every, like I'm around people all the time and, and mind you, everybody that's listening that comes to our events, I love you. I love hanging out with you, <laughs> but also my soul needs to be alone sometimes. Um, yeah. and, and you know, if that's you, if you're the introvert, that's consistently around people, take some time to be alone. Yeah. Watch Netflix. Tell, tell your boss that your pastor Andy said so. Yeah. Pastor. Um, or if you're the extrovert, go hang out with some people. I know during COVID, we have to be a lot more careful, which yeah. you should. Numbers are going up, mm-hmm. and I, I believe that. Um, but before we all got together, we actually all got tested. So I probably should put that as a disclaimer. Yeah. All of us were tested before we showed up mm-hmm. um, because we were really intent on hanging out that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, go find some people and, yeah. and get and there's, that there's safe ways to do it. Like the idea that you cannot see anybody is 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 like maybe over. 
yeah. over exaggerated. Like you, you, there's a safe ways to hang out with people. And yeah. if you're extroverted, go hang out with people. Maybe it's me. If you catch me on a good day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will end on this idea, bro. Cause you, you you're mentioned, you, you mentioned something really cool. You said that, uh, the same creativity that crosswalk worship uses or, or anthem uses is the same creativity that bands like Oh Wonder or, mm-hmm. or, or Laney use, you know? And, and the idea that I, oh, I, I consistently come back to is that we as Christians have often placed a box as bounds for where God can be. Mm-hmm. Like this is where God exists, when in reality there's an entire spectrum of life that is happening. And while we should live certain ways and we should do certain things and should not do certain things, like, yeah, we, we, can, we can say that. But at the same time, what I'm finding is that God does not just exist here in this box, but God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe part of the Sabbath lifestyle is to go out and find God. Go out and see where God may be outside of this box. Wonderful. Because you, you read scripture, what we find is that Jesus is often outside of the box that, that people had set him. Totally. Jesus consistently outside in places where we didn't know he was going to be. So if you are currently looking for uh, a Sabbath lifestyle, Maybe it's time to look in new places. Yeah. Um, yeah, bro, do you want to leave us with any hope, any any encouragement, anything? Or- when, when you were on the Anthem podcast, I think you had, met, you had, you had made a statement that, that stuck with me, is that we had talked about how God is love. And if God is love and love is everywhere and people who don't claim to be a part of God experience love, mm. that means even the godless are God-filled. My guy, you said that. No, I think you said that. No, that was either you or Josh. Well, you told a story that... that I, I told a story after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I okay, like, that was yeah, the yeah. part. But that God is, God is even a part of what we would say God is not a part of. Yeah. Because love is there. Yes. So that's the Sabbath idea. That's great. Go find love. Yeah. All right. Love. Well, bro, thank you for being here. I love you, bro. Um, tell thank us, you. this is your time for a plug. Yeah. First We Feast, you know, the Hot Ones show, they do this where like, they give them a plug, like, this is what we're up to. Oh. Tell us, bro, what are you up to in life? Like, keep us... Give us something to look forward to in life for you. Um, yeah, well, I think part part of crosswalk culture, part of anthem culture, is that we're always, if we're not the spot where you can find um, that that community that that's God filled, we want to make sure you have other outlets. Mm-hmm. So, if anthem, if you're listening from this and you're part of the anthem community, and this is not our community, is not necessarily where you can find love and and that kind of belonging. We know crosswalk just might be. And yeah. I think the same can and be said. Let me said. say that. Yeah, let me say that for you. If if you're listening and you are interested in anthem and you're looking for a place where your soul can be taken care of, go to anthem. Like, yeah. I, go, go to crosswalk. Go to Anthem. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there's the plug. Awesome. Hey, love you, man. Thank you yeah, so thank much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, see you guys all later. Catch you guys next time.